You know, there are many of you, as I said, who are unaware, but, you know, before there was a, before there was a served city, um, before there was any of this, there was me going to university in the States and um, God doing something crazy. It's just so random the way that the Lord works. We were, uh, we went to university and I was a part of a group um, called Deliverance, a, a, a choir. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Deliverance. And one day I actually, I almost missed the bus. And I got on the bus and ended up going to Kalamazoo, Michigan, a church there. And while we were there at that church, uh, I had the honor and the opportunity of meeting um, Robert Hawkins. He had a group at the time. What was the group name? Unified Praise. Unified Praise. <laughs> UP. And they sung, and I played the bass at that event. And then it was just uh, we connected there. And, um, and he ended up inviting me to church. Right? I was not saved. I was just one of those kids that went to church and you know played in the band but i did not i did not have a relationship with jesus and so um so he goes hey man you should come check out my church and it was because of his invitation because of his invitation that not only do i come to church and hear the gospel right but i get saved at that church that's the same church that i enter ministry and i'm licensed and ordained to preach in that church out of that church, launch a church that he ends up becoming the worship leader at my church. So he led, he invited me to church. I get saved and then end up becoming his pastor. How crazy is that? It was crazy. <laughs> and we're going to get into the story in a second. I just wanted to give you some background. The power of an invite. Yeah. Look at somebody, look at somebody, tell them there's power in your invitation. Come on, tell them there's power. You have absolutely no clue who you are inviting to church. Now we're sitting here, Serve 30 Church is here in our hometown. All y'all are here. And so many people have been saved, almost 200 people in our existence in three years. All because somebody said to me back in 2000, uh, 2003, jeez, I'm bread. 17 years ago, hey, you should come check out my church. And I'm only 24. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I think this is powerful just so you guys understand, uh, you know, the magnitude of not only an invite, but the magnitude of this individual in my life. And I'm so grateful uh, to God for him. So listen, I thought it would be dope in our Fight Club series to really talk about uh, breaking the power of addiction and uh, getting the victory in that area. And addiction takes many forms. It's not just the things that we think of. And so uh, I think we're, it's going to be powerful for us, for, for us to share around this. So Robert Hawkins, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Where are you from? What do you, what do you like long, long walks on the beach? All that sorts of stuff. Go ahead, I'm tell us. I'm just a nobody. No, <laughs> Y'all remember that? Everybody here ain't. No, they don't. We from Everybody Canada. Everybody here ain't 25 and under. <laughs> I'm funny. I'm humorous. See, y'all family. What's up, family? What's up? Um, you know, I have to represent. I'm originally from Chicago, West Side, K-Town. Somebody say Chi-Town. <laughs> uh, my family actually transitioned to Michigan, which I met Pastor Andrew. Um, Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I was really raised in Kalamazoo, but, you know, still got to represent the Chi, you know, because Chicago sound better. Don't nobody know about Kalamazoo, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I did school in uh, Kalamazoo. Um, like you said, I started a group. Um, I've been through a lot of life challenges at a young age, um, but thanks be to God, he brought me through. But uh, Robert Hawkins, I love people. Um, I love Jesus, of course. Um, I'm persistent, okay? I am, um, I have a big heart. Um, I think that's enough for now. Y'all gonna get to know me. And I don't wanna say too much because I'm at the key, the standards gonna be up here. So. <laughs> and he, and he, also, he also does keto. Yeah. Oh, okay. So something. <laughs> I told y'all funny. So, yeah, you know, anybody else, you don't got to raise your hand. Deal with your weight fluctuating. One, one year, you're smart, and the next year, you're kind of like, people be like, oh, you've been eating good. I can't stand it if somebody tell me that. <laughs> so listen, <laughs> me now as an uh, independent artist, and I travel the country every week. So this is my full-time gig. I just want longevity as far as health issues. Anybody have health issues yeah. that runs in your family, high blood pressure, diabetes and stuff. And I just said, you know what? I don't, I'm tired of like going on diets temporarily, you know, cause you do good for a couple months and then next thing you know, you back eating them snakes and all that good stuff. So this time around I said, you know what? Let me make this a lifestyle. So um, I tried the keto diet. So just long story short, I'm down 35 plus pounds. Come on. Oh, hold on. <laughs> to God be the glory he gets the glory for everything amazing so look uh, we, we ministered together uh, he actually was my we ended up living together which is crazy he was um, he was my roommate we were roommate for a few years I don't remember how long my name was on the lease <laughs> throwing shades at man's fam but as you know from last week's message, if you didn't listen to it, you should go look. I couldn't, I, I wasn't in the position to have anything in my name. Come on, somebody. Oh, come on. That's Watch one out. thing about Robert. This dude has always been super, super budget friendly and responsible and all of that. And, uh, and his name was on the lease. The I was renting a room, amen. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, um, you know, so we, we ministered together for years. Uh, we planted our, our church. The church is still going in Michigan, as you guys often hear us rem, um, share or reference it. And, you know, although we were saved, although he's in ministry, although, you know, things were going great and all of that, uh, you know, there was a turning point. Yeah. There was a turning point. There was a time when you entered into uh, a proverbial jail cell, if you will, mm -hmm. you know. And so what was that turning point for us? What was you ended up? in a position of being addicted to crack cocaine and also um, it, without an alcohol addiction. Um, and you know, what, what was that turning point? Walk us through that, how did that happen? Well, I'm gonna be transparent because I didn't come here to be cute. In fact, I'm gonna take this off because the layer's about to come off, seriously. Because somebody needs to hear this. Um, oh, I got an armor bear, okay, I like this church. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, some of the churches I go to, they be like, go on and sit down. I be like, dang, excuse me. <laughs> I'm coming back here. Can I come back to City? Yeah, you can come back. <laughs> but listen, y'all, so um, the turning point was, and I'm going to try to keep it real as possible and remember some stuff. Um, as far as, number one was the circle of influence, the people that I started to hang around. Now, here's the deal. I remember thoughts coming in my mind. I had never done like cocaine or nothing like that. Back in the day, you know, you're younger, you try weed and all that stuff and drink. I used to actually be an alcoholic at a young age, but God delivered me from that years. But later, so this was when I was probably about, I want to say 25 or so, 25 or so started. 
But I used to always joke around with a certain individual that I did cocaine. Never had done it. Um, of course, drugs, drug addiction runs throughout my family. So a lot of people in my family are, are on drugs. And so I saw how it damaged um, our family. Like my aunts, they still used to steal from my grandmother, this and that. So I said, I would never, I would never do that. So my aunt, you know, you got that real aunt, auntie that, you know, do y'all say auntie or aunt? Because... Both, okay, cool. Um, she was like, never say never, because one day you're going to be worse than me. <laughs> She's short, okay. So anyway, I always didn't think that I would even be around drugs, because I was like the good boy in the family. I was been singing since I was this old, so I was like, you know, put on a pedestal, all that good stuff. But anyway, I used to joke around. I used to speak it, number one. I used to speak it and didn't even know it. Jokingly said, hey, I do cocaine. Let's just let's try it. So um, the circle of influence. Actually, one day we we hung out. The influ he he had never done it before either. Wow. But watch this. The devil will set you up, okay? And not even knowing it. So it started off. We tried it. So the, my first time doing cocaine, I snorted so much I didn't even know. I took e pills. I did everything. I was drinking in one night. And I was up for about, I think, three to four days, like, Lord, please let me go to sleep. I couldn't. I was so paranoid. But at first, it was what we call recreational, meaning that, you know, I'll do it before I go out. First, it was snorting cocaine. That's what I was, that's what I started first. So it was like every now and then I'll do it, go out to the clubs, party. Once I got back home, I'm good. Okay. That's how I start. You want me to keep going? So that was the turning point. That was the turning point. So all this time, and this is crazy because you guys got to understand as well the way that things go. Uh, not everybody who battles addiction is in a position where they are non-functioning, you know. Um, there are a lot of people who battle addiction, uh, maybe even some of you, uh, and, you know, you can still go to work and you can still go about your everyday you know, experience and all of this. Uh, there may be, and this isn't just for people who are battling, but also for those of you who may have people yeah. in your family, for you to be able to note the signs. Mm -hmm. It's not just when you see people stumbling, it's not just when they disappear, but they can also be in a functioning place. So he's still showing up and singing at times. Yeah, definitely. You know? What was that like for you, like still ministering, still doing stuff in that position? What did that mean to you? This is the part I loved. I was able to share this on Dorinda Clark Cole's show. Um, and the reason why I say that is because we think because we in the church and we saved and we love Jesus and we do. I really love Jesus. And like, again, I've been through stuff since I was this old molestation and all that. Right. But it's, it came to a point where it's just like when I sing, it's not for show. It's not to do the riffs and stuff. It's really a heart. My heart is in it because I know I don't deserve to be here. And I know God has his hands on me. So when I'm singing this from a place of hurt. It's from a place of healing. So that's why I'll, I don't care if it was two people in here. I'm going to minister because first lady and pastor put me on this. Jesus is my audience. Come on. Come on. Come on. So being in the church, um, even though I was struggling at first or no, let me say this. I wasn't struggling because it was mental. Come I want to hit on that. I didn't think I had a problem. Okay. So but I would still come in the inside in a secret manner. I knew that this could become a problem. I knew I was I was doing something wrong. So when I sung, it was out of a place of like guilt. Mm. It was out of a place of desperation. Like God, I really need you. Like for real, I really need you. They don't understand because I can't tell y'all because you're gonna judge me. Mm. Okay. 
the church family, y'all gonna judge me, or you're gonna act like you've been in my shoes, and it's gonna be such a turnoff trying to tell me your your agenda, but really you don't understand. So that that was for me, it was a place of um from a place of guilt and from a place of being desperate. Okay, so um it was so, a being, cry. so it was a cry. So this is the thing, I think that's what you shared is powerful because when you think about it, a lot of times, especially in church context, we share, and maybe and I'm pretty sure you agree with me. Because um, of how we grew up and in, in the context we grew up in, a lot of times there are people who will teach you and tell you you gotta have it all together to yeah. come to church, yeah. and you know go get right and then come to Jesus. And you know I think that um, it's powerful because you're making it clear that you were able to come. You were you were there because you were crying out to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you messed up, but you really needed God, and so this should have been a place where you could have come. Mm-hmm. and received what you needed from God in that season. And watch this. God can use anybody. Yeah. Point to yourself and say, he can use me. He can use me. I, when I say no matter what state you're in, because I remember times they didn't know, okay? It was certain times where I came to the church probably hungover, high still, right? When I say God used the stink out of me, and look, the anointing was so thick. Listen, y'all, it seemed like I had been sleeping with Jesus that night, for real. But I mean that because sometimes, like you say, we think we have to put on this thing, and then now God going to use me. No, God, the, the thing is, he wants the glory no matter what. Am I endorsing to go out and party and stuff and then come back? God going to use? No, I'm not. But I'm saying I am only can share my story and my experience. Yeah. That's so powerful. God, you know, God... God wants us to be to the place where we are able to have this perspective. Because, and we're broken. Yeah. It was a bro- I was broke. Wow, wonderful. So the journey, the journey, you know, continues. What, what was the journey like? So this happened, you were in church, all of this, you were in, out, doing your thing. What were the consequences? What are the things that have transpired and happened in your life as a result of you being addicted to crack Ooh. cocaine and alcohol? So before the crack was more of the addiction, it was the snoring. Remember this? So God brought this back to my remembrance. So I had snorted cocaine. So when you do drugs or what have you, especially me, no matter what, I'm a loyal person, no matter what. Even out there in the world, people love me because they know they're going to get their money. Okay? <laughs> they, they even gave me credit. Okay? <laughs> the drug man gave me credit. So every check was already spent. Okay? So... <laughs> we can laugh about it now, child. Yeah, but God. Okay? So what, what was I saying? Oh, so... Basically, at that point, I had this one drug dealer. So I used to snort a lot, right? So this one time, I snorted. Next thing you know, I was in ICU on breathing machines, breathing tubes. For three days, um, the doctors gave up on me, said my organs were shutting down. If they would have taken the uh, tubes out of my body, that was it for me, right? And I'm bringing this crucial point up for a reason. is because it seemed like that should have been my wake-up call, right? And it was for a few weeks. I was scared. <laughs> but somebody say addiction is real. Addiction is real, okay? So probably months later, I started back slowly. And then the cocaine, as far as snorting it, became to what they call cooked cocaine, which is crack. And that's what you snort, or excuse me, you smoke out of pipes and all that. And most of the time when you think, when you, when you associate somebody as a crackhead, it's like they all bummy and, you know, on the streets and this and that. But drugs does not have a certain face. Yeah. I met lawyers, doctors, judges, and I'm so serious right now. Business 
it doesn't because this body is just a body. This okay is if you inject that stuff, it can happen to you as well. Yep. And um, people used to, because of my image, I always tried to, you know, stay clean looking and everything like I didn't do it or what have you. So when the crack became an addiction, this is how I knew it was an addiction because the first time at that time I had a roommate and I've always been an honest person. You can leave a million dollars right here. I'm not going to take it. That, I've always been an honest person. Right. But I had ran out of money one day. Somebody said one day. One day. Child saw that real money on that table. <laughs> okay. And I took it and I spent it. After that, again, my roommate know who I was. So, of course, he was mad. But at the same time, he talked to me. But at that time, I know that I'm like, oh, I really have a problem now. Because now I'm going outside of my character. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what it, I was. It was beyond me now. Because all I was thinking when you addicted is like, what could I do to get the next high? What could I do to get the next fix? And I went through everything. What y'all about crackheads? Look, I'm not ashamed. I went through that. And um, so, can I say something? I just yeah. want to say something that's really powerful. The character stuff. This yeah. is the thing. This is why this is crazy, and this is why I want to challenge y'all around. Because addiction is not just alcohol, crack, cocaine, drugs. You may be addicted to something else. You may be addicted to pornography. You may be addicted to gambling. You know, there may be some other form or vice or grip that uh, that the enemy has on you, and one of the signs that you just pointed out, which is massive, is that your character starts being challenged. I don't want to just skirt by that or move by that because I think that if you even may think that you, you're not aware of it, you need to start checking yourself and looking like, am I, is my character being checked? Am I starting to shift? Are my standards starting to bend? You know, these may be signs that you may have or you may be battling in the, or may be in a form uh, of addiction. So absolutely, character is important. Um, and so as far as the crack cocaine, so I want to hit this too. So at that time, my friends and some of my family, it started to get out, you know, that I was actually on drugs. Um, it was a big shock to my family. My mom, my mom lives in Wisconsin, a lot of my family. So in Grand Rapids, I'm the only Hawkins as far as Grand Rapids. However, they used to encourage me to go to rehab, right? Go to a rehab. And I'm like, I don't need no rehab, you know. Again, mentally, I'm like, I don't need help, you know. And the inside, I knew I needed help, but growing up in the church, you know, laying hands on you and mm -hmm. you're going to be delivered and healed. I mean, when I say oil is still running down my face, from <laughs> many times people have laid oil, oil on me and lied to me and said that was my last time. That was my last. And I believed it. Seriously, I believed it. So... I did, I did go to a couple rehab facilities because they wanted me to go. I already knew what I was going to do when I got back out because I didn't go for me. I, I didn't think I needed that help. And then after a while, I went about two times because they wanted me to go, right? And uh, one time I went in there and I talked to a therapist and I said, well, why they just, you know, kind of throw me in there? And he's, he explained it to me like this. And this for anybody that's, you may not be dealing with it, but you may know so a loved one. But he said, the reason why they're doing it, they don't understand your story. They're doing it for their own comfort because they know if you in there, you're going to be all right. Wow. But it's not for you. And that minister, I'm like, wow. But the thing is, again, you can pray, lay hands, encourage somebody but it's come from the inside. And I'm so opposed to when people say this, you have to want it. You have to want it. That seriously, y'all, I wanted it. I've been in uh, dope houses, literally um, smoking crack, 
when I'm done, in Jesus' name, throwing the crack pipe out, literally because I believed that I was going to be healed. It was a little hope in me, but it came to the point where I was just like, I remember the day I said I would never come out of this because it had taken a toll on me. Like, I lost, you know, um, jobs. I had, in fact, they teach you, you give it away because you didn't lose it. I'm giving away jobs. Wow. Um, didn't have money in my account. I became homeless. You know, those are some of the consequences, you know, from drug addiction. So, yeah, in fact, it's, it's, I just look back at it and I'm like, I can't. I, it, the part that makes me so emotional about all this, too, is because, you know, um, he, you know, there were so many ramifications for the decisions he made. I used to pick him up from the crack house. There were seasons where, you know, as my brethren, as my boy, like I used to go pick him up from the crack house. And that moment that you, that you spoke about where you ended up in the, you know, in the ICU, they found you. Tell them about that because they found you. I was in a tub. My roommate at that time, I was in a tub unconscious. And again, the thing is, I think I, I only snorted like one line. Now, normally I didn't done <laughs> 20 lines and I'm good. You know, I, hey, black, you know, but this one day. I snorted one line, and I guess it was some bad stuff. But look, but God, he healed me, you know. And Because uh, I remember looking at him in the yeah. hospital bed, and I just want to highlight that. It was insane. Like, you, you were on the way out. The doctors were not. It was not looking good. And I'm like, this is my boy. And I'm thinking to myself, and we were just, we were just praying through that moment, like, God, bring him back. Because the thing is, the oil is so great mm. on your life, you know. And I remember thinking in that moment, man, you know, Lord, this guy is responsible for me. I'm thinking this guy is responsible for me coming to, to Jesus. You know, don't, don't let it stop here, you know. And it's just so powerful now to see you in this place. So with that, with that being said, you know, what was, the, what was the breakthrough moment for you? Like, so you're saying everybody wanted it for you. Everybody pre was pressuring you to do stuff, including myself, you know, um, and, you know, so then what was the what was the turning point? What was the point now where you're like, OK, this is it? Because you are you have been free and clear for how long now? It'll be five years, April 5th. Come on, man. Please, the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Five years. So, like, what was that turning point? How did you get there? Mm -hmm. Somebody say, but God. But God. But I got to keep it real. I want to get you some good nuggets, too. Seriously. So, um, actually, I'm about to throw a little shade. Because during that time, y'all, the turn, the breakthrough, I was actually a member of Relevant Church. And so, I had never in my life missed a resurrection Easter Sunday. You know, that's the big day of the year for the church, for the saints. Look at somebody say, you a saint. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so this one particular um, Sunday, I was so like under, I was getting high and I missed, right? So let me just say this real quick. I had started missing. I was working at another church as well. I was a minister of music there. And they had caught wind, you know, that I was on drugs and stuff. Now, the thing is, I'm going to just give some credit, you know, God get all the glory. But that pastor more was a Pentecostal, you know, and you, you already know what that's like. Anybody Pentecostal? They, <laughs> child, if you move your hand the wrong way, you're going to hell. All right. But God dealt with him and told him, said, he cannot fire me. He had to deal with me in a unique manner. 
everybody and their mama know this pastor and how strict they are as far as you know what they believe that the first time that's it this was my they paying me right but God had to deal with them in a unique way just like when my pastor and uh, other friends and stuff but they used to he used to send a, another deacon to come and pick me up because when I put it like this when I didn't have no money I had no friends when I went to the drug house, I brought everything, and everybody wanted some, right? And I shared, but the minute I run out, don't nobody got my back. And I started to feel real low. And um, that Sunday, I missed. I was at a dope house, and I said to myself, I said, Lord, I'm really tired, you know? And to be honest, I had given up on Jesus because, again, I thought that that was it for me. I didn't see a way out. I'm so serious right now. Wow. But the significant thing is he did not give up on me. Even when I thought that was the end of the road, he did not give up on me. And it was one decision. I said, well, this time I want to go away personally, away from ministry, away from friends, family, everybody to a rehab facility for a while myself. So what I believe what happened was so the church actually covered me, my expenses to go because they didn't believe in that time. So they believe we just, in Jesus name you heal. But they paid money for me. They sponsored me, drove me. It was like two hours away to a facility, and I got in. But the, the difference this time was I believe my heart and my mind was open for change, for something different. Because I'm like, you know, insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. I said, well, let me do something different. And I believe God honored my heart. And when I was in there, again, I, as far as AA, NA meetings and stuff, I'm like, I don't need that before I got there. <clears throat> But when I got there, I'm like, well, I'm hearing people's stories, how they've been, you know, clean and sober. They go to meetings. And I'm like, well, maybe I need to go to a meeting. <laughs> okay. Amen. So I was, I opened up my heart. I surrendered, number one. Amen. And I believe God honored that. And that's when he took <clears throat> the taste out of my mouth. It wasn't overnight. Watch this. Because my problem was I used to relapse. So I used to do binges. I was a binge user, what they call it, meaning I can go maybe two weeks without doing anything, but when I did, I was missing for days, yep. weeks, and didn't nobody know where I was, how stressful that could be, right? Yep. No, didn't know if I was alive or dead. People have, I used to always sell my electronics. I bought, I used to save, buy little cars for $1,300, $1,500, gone the next day for $100 worth of crack. Is that a problem? Yeah. Okay. My school money, refund check, I couldn't wait to get that refund. I go to class for two weeks, get that refund check. That whole refund check, gone on drugs within two days. Thousands of dollars. But this time I was like, I need to do something different. And I believe God honored that. How did I know that I was healed? Hmm. I didn't know <clears throat> getting, uh, coming out of that, that transition. Um, I was assigned to a, uh, what, a recovering coach and a manager aftercare for a year. So I'm like, this is humbling me. I need this. The, the, when I knew I was delivered and set free, and it's day by day, um, I got on the bus. This was about three to four months of me being clean and sober. I got on the bus, and here go one of my main old drug dealers get on the bus. Wow. In recovery, they taught us to, one thing they taught us is to distract ourselves if triggers come up. So of course, if I see an old drug dealer, that's a trigger, because I know what could happen. So I'm on the phone with the first lady of the other church, and I'm like, God, I just need you, you know, and I'm talking to her, trying to distract her. I ain't even looking at you know. And then he threw something at me. But when I got off the phone, I picked it up, and it was a bag of crack. 
instantly. Not me. I threw it back. I said, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I was shaking like this. I was shaking like this. I couldn't even make it downtown to my destination. I had to get off the next stop because I knew if I wouldn't have done that, there I would have relapsed again. That was the first time. And I called my mom. I called people. I was just like, I know that I'm here. I was just, it was just like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. But again, they teach you day. Every day is a new day. You know, take it one day at a time, one situation at a time. You know, yes, it's been, it'll be five years, especially for uh, far as cracking stuff. It's been, it'd be five years, right? But there are still times where I can smell something. It reminds me of it. But God, you know what I'm saying? And I still will attend meetings and stuff now, right? Because it's a reminder for me that I still need help because that's one significant reason why people relapse. They taught us that when you think you've accomplished so many years and you've, you, you made it, you arrived, that's pride. That's one big main trigger of people relapsing. So I'm always, I still have a therapist I meet with weekly. I still need help. I'm just one hit. You get what I'm saying? So man, I thank God. Like, so it's not always easy. I will say because of the time frame, I'll say this one more thing. As far as when you in AA and NA meetings, anybody else been in some? You don't got to raise your hand because I'm just kind of, you know, confident. It's cool. <laughs> I have. <laughs> you know, you hear people like for real, like I was clean for 20 years, but a trigger hit. They had a death in the family or something. Boom. They go right back. It's like, how you do it? So with some, for drug addiction or addictions for me, it's not the amount of time. But it's what's happening during the time. Today, I'm free. Come on. Okay? You got to encourage yourself. Today, I'm healed. Wow. Today, I'm set free. Wow. You know, it's a daily thing. What's so powerful about that is what you've indicated is that it's a journey. You know, a lot of times, even as it pertains to church in general, whether it's not, even if it's not addiction, it can be some other form of hang up or bondage. Uh, certain church environments will tell you, especially as it, if it comes to mental illness, which we're going to be dealing with, um, you know, in the month of May especially, uh, you know, we'll usually tell people that, oh, just stop saying that. You're crazy. Or you need to just get, you know, oh, go ahead. Can I say one more thing? Watch this. Because during me being addicted to crack, watch this. And that took over me. I was a pescatarian, meaning I was a vegetarian, actually. Why did I maintain? I was able to not to eat no meat. So watch this. The discipline was in here. I just needed to use it on that. That's, but I can't lie. It was one time I was living with this uh, couple because they took me. I was homeless, child. And uh, they, had, they kept kicking at me. And I'm like, I can't eat that. Child, I was hungry. I think on the third day. Somebody said, the third day. Child, ate that spaghetti with the meat. <laughs> and then I, was on, I ate meat for about six more months. And I gained a little weight. You know what I'm saying? But, I, you know, I don't eat meat no more. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But it's powerful because I think it's a journey, you know, and yeah. that's what we're hearing. It's a journey. And I think that with everybody, we have to see it as that, you know, as Paul says, I die daily. Mm-hmm. It's something that it's not, you know, a lot of times we are worrying about the future. We're focused on the future. Our, uh, we're anxious about the future. We're anxious about tomorrow. And Jesus says, don't even worry about tomorrow in Matthew 6. Let the things of tomorrow take care of themselves for sufficient today are the troubles of, you know, today. And so I think it's powerful when you, what you're sharing, because you're saying, you know what? 
Yes, I've gotten the victory for five years, but that's not the focus. My focus is today yeah. and what I can do today to continue walking in victory. Yeah. And I think long-term victory is based upon the, the small step victories, the daily victory. Long-term victory is based on daily victory. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's so powerful, man. Could uh, like one or two people ask a question and maybe... Then? Is oh, okay? if you'd like to, go for Did it. Did I put him on the spot? He couldn't say no. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Do anybody have a question for me? Because I want to be able to, you know what I'm saying? That's why I'm here. Come on. Um, what do you do with, uh, with, you know, with your adult child who is addicted to crack with mm. To love them. And I, when I say the word love, because again, if you don't understand them, only thing we need is love. Because in the world, everybody reject us, they fake, they phony, they don't love us, they just want to use us for our money and for the drugs. Mm. But at, when we do come home, we just need love. Sometimes you have gotta say nothing, just give them something to eat. Sometimes just encourage them, just tell them I love you. And not try to judge and say, you should do this, you should. Cause I, that got so, like, cause it, 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 it leads us to a place where we don't want to be around because we are, we know when we wrong already. I don't need to be reminded of that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm seriously, I would say love them. Watch this, love the hell out of them. I feel something, okay. Oh, we started, all right. No, that was good. Oh, you stood up. Girl, you better answer that question. You know, While you were in rehab, did you deal with the root cause of the addiction? Like what you think may have caused you to um, became addicted. That's good. And you know, like your childhood and et cetera, et cetera. I think some of that stuff I'm getting out now. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, because everybody's situation is different, I didn't start drugs based upon a situation, which some people mm -hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Like they try to, uh, what you call it? Um, what is that called? Like a coping mechanism? Yeah. You know, they try to cope with it in a different manner. Mm -hmm. With me, I don't know where it came from. I think okay. for mine was maybe a generational curse. You know, I really do because again, I still have aunts and people in my family still addicted. Yeah. Well, this is a comment. I'm happy that you're here and um, that you're dealing with it day by day because I lost a loved one in December to fentanyl. Sorry to hear that. And it's, it's really painful because everybody tried, mm -hmm. right? And as a result of that, so I'm thankful that you're here and I'm thankful that, that you're ministering to people who have this um, situation. So they hide it, right? They're in the mm -hmm. church. You know, we all have daily struggles. Um, so outside of prayer, what do you turn to? Sometimes I just need to vent. Call. They taught us this. Have a circle of people that actually understand you. That's not going to judge you. That would allow you to just say, hey, I'm really thinking about this. I need to get this off my chest. And they're going to listen. Sometimes we don't have to respond with a response. Sometimes we just need to listen to somebody. And that, I promise that'll help. Because I, I, seriously, I don't always just, oh, God, you know, I'm, I can't lie up here and be like, I'll just be in my face all day, every day. Because the thing is, if, if I, I'm just saying if I was, we got to have some tangible tools to take. You know what I'm saying? Like we're people. So did that answer it? Okay. So the response and, and something that you shared that's powerful and I think, um, you know, as we've been talking, guys, this whole Fight Club series, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, is that uh, Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, he says he wishes that and prays that God would sanctify us wholly, mm -hmm. 
you know, completely, entirely, halatales, as we said. And it's this concept that we're not just spiritual beings. And that question is important because I think that, you know, what you shared with us is that deliverance isn't always uh, just a one-time and dump a gallon of oil on you, yeah. you know? That sometimes there are actual practical things. And don't, don't get it twisted. We're not nullifying the power of prayer. But God did not just make us spiritual. And that's the point. So you can't just deal with everything in a, with a spiritual solution. Sometimes, that's what I say, like some people even, and we'll talk more about this even as we get into dealing with mental illness and stuff like this. You know, we believe in Jesus and drugs. You know, Jesus and therapy. You know, y'all don't want to be real with me today. You're like, oh, did he just say that? Not this type of drugs, you know, but... No, and it's real. But it's true because there's more, you're more than just yeah. spirit. Sometimes there are fleshly things that you need to do mm -hmm. in order to help your body mm -hmm. in addition. And addiction is simple. It's, the addiction is something just overtake you. Like, even in the industry, okay. the gospel industry, I see it all the time. A lot of people are addicted, especially to that weed. Like, people think, oh, it's just marijuana or what y'all call it here? Weed. Oh, we ganja, ganja. we over there. We call it con. Well, I don't even know what loud and soft. <laughs> I'll be like whatever, but for real, they have to have it. They wake up to it. They got to go to sleep to it. That's addiction. Just because you ain't smoking no crack pipe, you ain't no better than me. Shoot, okay. Sound like you, you spend just more money than me. I said shoot. No, I don't come. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But listen, man, I think that's a powerful, uh, a powerful thing. And, you know, I just want us to, to remember as God has given us, you know, the gift of people who need him in our lives and in our church. And I know that I know of some of you who battle addiction in our church already. Uh, and I, I'm sure there are some of you out of all the people who call Serve City home that we don't know of who battle addiction as well. Uh, but we truly believe, man, that God indeed has the victory for you in not just in this house but in general and he wants you to be free and the bible is clear in second corinthians chapter three that uh that you know where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty and god can set us free and god can bring us to a place where we are free clean and clear so tell us as we get ready to close you know tell us about your about what so what are you doing now you know like how is god using you in this season um, and y'all can throw the, the thing up on the screen so they can see how they can follow him and, and keep track of his journey. It's so unbelievable. That. Real quick. So about seven to eight months of being free from drug addiction. Again, I used to have a group back in the day. But God, I had to wait by 11 or 12 years because I've gone through so much during that period of time. But God was humbling me because he, he had to teach me. I always used to be up front leading, right? But God had to teach me that the blessings come through serving. Jesus was a servant. That's what I want his heart, you know, a heart of a servant. So I was in the backgrounds and uh, out the blue, um, one of this main producer hit me up out the blue and was like, um, remember that song Happy? What, what did y'all do with that song Happy in 2004 that you recorded? I said nothing. He was like, man, God told me to sow in your life that it's your season to step back out. The first thing came to my mind, I said, no, he didn't. <laughs> okay, because... The enemy was speaking to me. Failure. I'm just going to repeat the past. I've done this before. I'm good. I was singing backgrounds and in the backgrounds, it's like, because it's like it, it mentally in the background, you, you're not as accountable. <laughs> so I can still sneak. But no, he said that and I said, well, no, no, I need to pray. 
Serious, it was so simple. I prayed and I asked God, I said, God, is this you? God told me, go, and I got you. That's what I heard. Wow. 2016, April, it meant everything. I told him that I want to release the single, my first single, Happy. A year after I was free from drug addiction and my birthday. My birthday, April 3rd, and my anniversary for being free is April 5th. Wow. And so from 2016, you heard the accolades and, you know, I don't like to spend too much time on that because I wanted y'all to know the reason why I share every week across the country my story through music, through this type of setting. I want to do more of these. I got to come back and we're going to do uh, now you part two. Now you're international. Okay, now I'm international. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> but God has opened so many doors. And watch this. My, I'm an independent artist, meaning I'm not signed to a label. I self-manage. I have money in the bank. Come on. My bills are paid. Come on. And I say that because there, were, there was a time where that wasn't happening because of addiction. But God has allowed, he's done so many great things. I've won awards within four years of my independent art uh, career. And I know many artists, and I promise y'all I hear about it, 10 plus years, the platforms that God has allowed me to be on is only through the grace of God because he knows my heart. So watch this. I don't work a nine to five. I work 24 Hardest hours. Hardest working dude Jesus. I know. Hardest working dude and I know. And could I say thank you so much? Could we praise God for passion? Come here first lady. These my, listen y'all, they took me in in a time where my own family wasn't there. So this is very special to me. Uh, Pastor Drew, I'm going to call him Andrew right now because we're friends right now. Okay, y'all know him as Pastor. See, you got to know people in your life that yeah. know you from back, 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 back. Yeah, so when everybody else walked out, even we went through stuff. Amen. Somebody say forgiveness. Amen. First lady didn't like me for a long time. And you know, know my she, wife don't she play, She don't play, okay? But she used to encourage... I, I actually kicked him out of my house. She did! <laughs> Because I was drunk. <laughs> yep. But God. So this is, um, this is an example of forgiveness, restoration. Man, hope. I pray that this uh, story, my story, um, will definitely touch your life in whatever manner, whether it's friends, family. Again, it's, it doesn't have to be drug or alcohol addiction. It could be food. Okay. So we thank God for Team Keto. Just come back to there, take pictures <laughs> with me and everything. And I love y'all. Thank y'all so much for this opportunity. Like, I'm so, like, stoked. Like, this is dope. Can we just put our hands together and give God praise for Robert Hawkins and his transparency? We're a church where we say no perfect people allowed. And so if you're like, I'm imperfect, this is the perfect place for you.